Welcome to Happy Talks with Dr. Alice and Donovan. Dr. Alice Fong is a holistic naturopathic doctor and founder of Amour de Soi Wellness. And Donovan Jensen is a software engineer and founder of HowToHappy.com. Together, they're out to cause more happiness in the world. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Happy Talks. Today, I'm super excited to introduce to you Mary Patry. She is an executive coach focusing exclusively on helping IT executives and their direct reports address barriers to success based on their circumstances. She has a long extensive history in the IT industry and I'm really excited to share her expertise and knowledge with you here today. So please welcome Mary. <laughs> Thanks Thank for you. I'm so excited to be here with you. Awesome. Perfect. We're excited to have you. So Mary, tell me a little about your, your background and how you kind of ended up in this career as an executive coach and a little about your history in IT. Sure. Um, in many ways, my current role as an executive advisor and coach is, is my third career. I started in IT a long time ago, 1977. Um, so I have been you know, an IT practitioner and professional you know, for over 40 years. Um, about seven years ago, I decided to leave corporate America and my small company, IT Effectivity, was born, where it's very specifically working with IT leaders on their people and process concerns. Everything about IT is centered on three different factions, people, process, and technology. And where my focus is really on the people side of the house, because it is what makes up a successful organization. Um, at the same time that I started consulting, I was invited to coach as part of a professional organization that I had been a longtime member of. And after a few years, um, I realized how much I loved coaching. Um, after I was at a coaching session with an executive, my husband said, what do you talk about when you talk to, you know, those people? You always come out of your office feeling, look, you know, really kind of almost on a high because I would be so happy about my conversation knowing I'd made a difference. So then I went and sought my ICF, International Coaching Federation credentials. I am now a professional accredited coach, uh, specifically in executive coaching. So I kind of bring to the table a unique mix of, of uh, you know, practitioner hands-on consulting as well as, as uh, coaching. Um, and some of my clients, I'm an advisor, uh, you know, and some of the clients that's, you know, it's peer coaching um, and still do a little bit of consulting once in a while, but I'm but uh, I really want to focus on that uh, middle managers uh, and the, the coaching of middle managers, because that's where I feel that I can make the most difference in the world. Mm -hmm. Great. Yeah, I was thinking as you were talking, I would be curious. So, you know, you've kind of laid out the path. What got you most interested in the people side? Since, you know, you said there's those three different components. What draws you into that side and what kind of problems do you see uh, most regularly in that area? Well, you know, it, that's a really great question. It started out that way, though. I fell into IT absolutely by accident. Um, my education was in fine art, painting and sculpting. Um, you see a sculpture behind me that's dated back, you know, about 40 years. Um, so it really, you know, it, um, I found that in technology, there was a whole lot of smart people that could do the technology part. So it didn't matter as long as I had a very broad understanding of the technology. And quite frankly, the technology in so many ways, because it's repetitive, it, you know, it's, it really isn't the hard part of making an organization work. I learned early on, um, I'm going to back up a little bit, if you don't mind. 
Uh, my very first supervisory role was before either of you were born. Um, <laughs> and I was asked to take on the supervisor role and I was the only female in the department. In fact, it took until 2008 before I had a female peer because by then I'm an executive. So it was like, you know, I was the, they called me the girl. Um, <laughs> and I was asked to take on this supervisory role and I was really pretty intimidated by it going, why me? I didn't even ask for this job. All those guys are vying for it. Oh my gosh, I could see the problems this is gonna cause. And I, so I spoke to the head of the IT department. It's just like, why me? And he said, Mary, because you care about the people you know, and you care about process, you you know, it's, you know, you're not all talking about the alphabet soups that we all live in. It's, you know, you could talk the language of the business. Mm -hmm. And that's where I fell into IT. They pulled me out of a business role to come into IT to begin with. Mm -hmm. So I said, okay, so, you know, I went and talked to one of my mentors and going, oh my gosh, I don't know if I can do this. I, I said, you know, stuff like that. And I said, these guys, you know, and I'm, I was younger than them and I was a girl by their standards. I truly was a girl, by the way. I was only like 25 years old. And, and, and I, he said, Mary, he said, I'm going to give you two bits, two, two little bits of advice. And I said, okay, you know, he was my mentor. He goes, one, take care of your team and they will always take care of you. And his second bit of advice was a little unorthodox in today's world, but at the time, you know, keep in mind the year this was. And he goes, don't act like a guy. <laughs> I love it. What does that mean? <laughs> He said, he said, so many times women will mm -hmm. go into a management role or a leadership role and think they have to act like the tough guy. And he says, don't act like a guy, just be yourself. You know, it's just be yourself. And I, and I said, okay, I think I could try that. And um, I will tell you, it was the best advice I ever got is to take care of my team. I don't think I paid a lot of attention to the don't act like a guy, but it really has served me well is to be authentic. Mm -hmm. So um, I have a very, very high geek factor, I've been told by the technical guys and, and women, but mostly guys, you must admit. And it's because I empathize, I understand, and I let them grow. I help them to grow. I have enough of a breadth of understanding. Um, but God forbid if, you know, nobody's, you know, it's been a long time since someone let me actually touch the technology physically. Mm -hmm. And I am okay with that. I mm -hmm. love the application of technology. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's a really inspiring story. I love it. And I definitely can see how, even though you didn't feel confident coming into this role and you know, you're know you not one of the guys and it's like maybe there's guys that are more experienced than you. What I was hearing is like, you brought a really valuable skill set to the organization in that like your strength is being a woman and being able to connect with people and building relationships because that is a critical aspect of business as a whole. And yeah. so that, that was missing. And, but that's great because you were also like, as you define yourself a geek, so you could like still talk to these geeky guys <laughs> and still like relate to them in that sense. So I feel like that was just such a beautiful immersion of your skill set and exactly what they needed. We don't, we don't put enough emphasis on the soft skills yeah. um, and, the, and, and the process orientation of simplification, yeah. not creating complex processes, but simplifying the how you get it done. So I, I've never considered myself innovative technically by any stretch. Mm -hmm. uh, at the same time, I'm a very innovative problem solver. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> Yeah, I had a, another question, which was a, a, um, earlier you were kind of talking about how uh, there's like a specific niche, basically, of, of people that you feel most capable of helping. 
Mm -hmm. um, I'd be curious, like, what are the kinds of problems you see there and what are the kinds of uh, advice or steps that, you know, obviously it's going to be different for each individual, but are there any trends? Yeah, there, there's some commonalities, to be fair. Um, one is uh, probably one of them, there, there's multiple factions. One is someone is new in a role and they have are now taking on an expanded role or a very different role. And uh, the life of an IT leader at the executive level is kind of lonely. You can't really demonstrate your vulnerabilities um, openly because you're supposed to be, you know, the smartest, wisest person in the room. And that's unfortunate because that's not really the way life is. So um, they're new in the role and they need somebody that can help navigate the change. They've got new leadership. They might have, you know, they might be brand new in the company. And so it's sometimes it's a sounding board in that case, as well as guiding them as to how to execute their first six months, you know, because my, my relationships are typically at a six month, you know, range. Sometimes um, they're in a, in a role um, and they're challenged. They're having challenging relationships with the board because these executives have to have board talk. So it, I will play that advisor on helping them to um, you know, uh, review their presentations, challenge them on what they're saying, how they're saying it, and are they really getting across the, the message that they intended. So that's you know, the, the two major areas at the executive level you know, where they either have a challenge with their leadership or they're in a brand new job. And never performance where they are individually a performance problem. I don't particularly care to take that on, though I have by accident. So only because I don't consider myself a performance coach. I consider myself more of a job coach of helping people to be successful in your job and in your career. So that's an oh, that's a third aspect is that they're looking to move up the ladder into mm -hmm into their next role, perhaps out of, I, out of IT altogether. That happens quite often. So um, that's at the executive level. Oh my gosh, I apologize. I've got workers out there. This is COVID though, you know? The other aspects that I absolutely love is what is middle managers. And that's the CIOs, the head of the department's direct reports. They are, they bring me so much joy. Um, they are, that's where I'm true in a true coaching mode where they are, looking for advancement. A lot of times they're the successor to the leader. So they're having to brush up some skills in order to be eligible to be considered um, or that, you know, they have taken on new roles and that, that, you know, so it's, it's a variation of this senior executive level with a twist of being much more skills based um, and much more uh, advancement in their career. They're typically in the forties uh, range of age and they are looking to make that big leap. They've got aspirations to go on. Then the third type of uh, clients that I love is, um, and I really love working with is our, our team coaching. They're um, individuals that are part of that organization. They will, you know, they could be a group of people reporting the sale, or they could be one layer down to where they're manager level. And I find um, those are programs that are a year long program. Uh, where we where we meet on a regular basis, typically once a month, and work on very direct soft skills development in a coaching format, in a group, um, in team coaching format. And it's kind of a mastermind where they pull from each other. The end result of that is a much stronger team, a collaborative team, a team who is much more intimate in their working relationship with each other. 
that particular product is something that I've actually now had the opportunity for a couple of years taking outside of IT, kind of by accident, but it, it, um, it's in a shared services group. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a company that I was doing some team coaching with and they said, oh, we want you to do it over in our shared services group. So that was a little daunting to me because now I'm coaching people that do HR and payroll and facilities and, but it's soft skills or soft skills. Um, so I haven't found it to be a challenge uh, like I thought it was going to be. So that was a pretty long answer to a simple question. Sorry about that. No, not at all. It, I mean, it's such a valuable skill to have and a lot of organizations would benefit from that. And I really like what you mentioned about, you know, kind of building the team and creating like a sense of community. And actually what we wanted to discuss today was just kind of the impact of this whole COVID situation is that a lot of people are working from home now either indefinitely or permanently potentially. And there's, there's huge impacts on organizations and companies. So I'm just curious to hear, what are your thoughts about that? You know, that's a, a topic that I really value um, having a platform to kind of share some of the things that I'm seeing amongst uh, not only my client groups, but the people that I've, uh, that I've been connected with. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, let's face it, when COVID happened, IT had to really step it up. You know, all of a sudden they had, everyone's going to go home and work. And in some cases they were well prepared. In some cases they weren't, you know, a whole lot of investment had to be made, but man, everybody scurried out. I was never, ever more proud of my chosen career sector than (laughs) during that time because everyone responded marvelously, everything from the workers you know, the employees to the vendors supporting them in these efforts. So I would say that it was a time where we had the opportunity to shine. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the thing through it all, though, is, is when that happened and it happened in the way, do it, you know, type of thing without being planful, a lot of people had to compromise their approach to dealing with it. I have coaching clients who I meet with them and they're in their kitchen. You know, they've got little kids running around. They have got, you know, their dogs there and, and we've all grown accustomed to the, you know, to the interruptions of life. And in some ways it's really cool because never would I have met the children of a CIO, <laughs> you know, and their dog, you know, and, you know, regularly I have one client, his little guy, his little four-year-old, I swear to God, every time we talk, you know, he comes in, he jumps up on his dad's lap, he's three, and he's just adorable, and it's just, hey, how you doing, you know, and, you know, we chat a little bit, then he goes on his way, but I, I think he hears me, he says, I'm gonna go in and see Mary now, so there's a whole lot of interesting dynamics, mm-hmm. and people, you know, no longer feel the need to dress up, so there's just a whole lot of things, so now, um, and, and, you know, I, I can deal with this. I can deal with this the way it is right now, you know, but then, you know, kind of like schools, I'm seeing this in schools getting back in session. And a lot of families are doing homeschooling or, or online learning from home. And now you've got the challenging for network bandwidth, having to share it with yeah. school. You've got a different interruption of dad, mom, you know, you know, they're struggling with their, their schoolwork and the parents got to get up and leave. I am seeing frustration growing. Mm -hmm. And now I've got some clients whose companies are making the decision to make it permanent without consideration of the readiness of the employee to deal with it. Mm -hmm. You know, do they have a home office? Do they have the right bandwidth? Do they have the ability to 
create a situation that is comfortable for them and the family during you know this tra another transition. Um, some people are panicking culturally. They're like, you know, as time goes on, we're losing our culture and our connections. But then on the reverse side, I have a client who is just doing a marvelous job on keeping, it's a people that I've actually got three teams with them. Um, that's a total of 30 some people, 36 people that I get to interact with, you know, every month and to see how they're doing. And, and they're doing all kinds of wonderful creative things, such as the leader of the company has every single month a uh, fireside chat. Um, the, the leader of the department is the head of the department. You know, she has regular conversations, I'll call it, uh, and all the way down to the individual teams. So they, they're like, kind of like become my role model of, of putting the extra effort in to communicate. And this is a company that is spread literally all over the United States. They're closing down offices and the IT people again are going nuts because now they're having to deal with the closure of these offices, uh, which is a whole different different challenge from a networking and all that. So it's like, it's all over the map. It's from people literally like, I think I'm gonna change jobs because they've made a decision to work from home permanently. I can't do this, <laughs> you know, to, hey, this is working okay. So the challenge, the challenge is it's not being in, I, I, I talk to the CIOs that I work with they're going, what conversations are you having with your employees as to their readiness for this? Mm. And, you know, how are they feeling about it? And I hate to be rambling here, but now is COVID is coming, you know, on an up uptick, which we knew it was going to, you know, we, we knew that would happen. You know, it's even becoming more stressful. Mm. Uh, you know, so we need to go back to checking in with our employees for mental health reasons. Mm -hmm. There's not enough emphasis on the care and feeding of the person. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just more of how they delivering to the expectations as opposed to how are they. So it's, it's, a, it's something I've got a lot of conflict. Can you tell that I've got a little worry? I've got a lot of, I've got a little work and it's more intuitive and brewing. You know, as health professionals and mental health professionals and healthcare, what is your reaction to that, Alice? Is you know, that's a really great question. I I agree. I I think that really needs to be considered. I'm very fortunate in that I don't have children yet, so I I can't even imagine. Like, I, my sister has two little kids, and she's a lawyer working from home, and just like managing homeschooling while trying to get your work done. What I'm hearing from a lot of parents is that it's impossible to really be that productive because you know little kids they're going to be little kids and they're going to be like mommy check this out or what's what's going on I don't know like they want, yeah. want to play and it's just you know I I do worry about the concern is like then they're feeling stress the impacts of chronic stress is that that's what I deal with um on a day-to-day -day basis with my clients is just that you know and they're in this constant state of stress and then that leads to like a decreased immune function that leads to poor sleep that leads to just this trickle down effect of health concerns over time and i think the company needs to really assess case by case you know making different distinguishes not expecting parents to perform at the same degree that they did <laughs> when they were working in the office because they're dealing with different situations and they have to like be present to 
what each person is dealing with. Because maybe some people are actually performing better because they're not distracted by a lot of people. I hear that too. And that's just, another thing. So, I mean, I, I was already working from home mainly. So it, for me in my career, it wasn't a huge impact for me, but I know just from like a lot of my clients, it's like, it's a struggle. Like they have to, I have parent clients that are waiting until the kids go to bed at like eight or nine. So they're working from like nine to like 2 a.m. getting what they need to do done. And I know that's going to pay a toll when they have to wake up at 6 a.m. to start the next day. And it's just going to really be a cumulative effect. And that's not healthy. Yeah, I, I've, I've essentially lost my executive assistant support because she's got four kids and used to be she would do her work while the kids were at school and now she's not. And, uh, you know, she's doing, I'm, you know, it's interesting how I never thought about that going, hey, wait a minute, I was impacted because of those, you know, those moms doing there. Donovan, you work with technical people. What are you seeing amongst your peers as far as that connection of a team? Yeah, there's definitely a, a good mix of things going on, right? And it's like the stereotype of like, oh, all the engineers don't want to be here anyway. Woohoo! Like, we got to be at home. Um, and for some people, it has been great. And for other people, not so much. I'll speak personally. Like, for me, one of the rough things was I set up my life in a way so that I was planning to be at work. So I had a very small apartment. And as soon as it was like, oh, you live here 100% of the time now in this one bedroom, not even one bedroom, in this one room, um, it was okay at first, right? And, and this is kind of what I'm seeing. Um, at first it was fine. Like I can do this for a month, two months, three months. Now that it's transitioning into like six months, a year, a year and a half, two years, like you were saying, um, some people on a permanent basis, a lot of the situations don't seem long-term like sustainable. And it's like you were saying, like, my thing is temporary, um, but there wasn't, there's not really a conversation around it. There's, I, there's, there wasn't a, a real discussion and I, and I haven't heard from other people in other uh, realms or other companies, that same type of thing you were talking about, much discussion. I mostly just heard companies mainly unilaterally saying, here's what we're doing moving forward. Or mm -hmm. like, here's what you can expect for the next couple months. But then after that, mm, who knows? So I think that especially as time goes on, um, more and more people, or at least personally, uh, it's becoming more and more difficult without switching circumstances. So either, um, for me, like I'm switching up all kinds of stuff, uh, as Alice knows, like I've moved around a couple times and I'm trying to like figure out a situation that works for me to work remote. Um, but I'm seeing the same thing with my family. Like I have siblings that are very young, uh, like 10 and 13 or so. And it's kind of what you were mentioning where, um, my mom is now working from home. The kids have started school again and somehow she's supposed to help them with school and do her job. And like, it's again, in the, in the short and intermediate term, it was maybe okay. But as it drags on and on and on, it's just not sustainable. And I, I just haven't seen many proposals and maybe that's just the circles I'm in, but ways to change things and make it better. Um, it seems like it's just kind of this like endless, ah, we can kind of sort of make it work. Um, and I think that's like we were speaking about going to build up and up and up and up and start causing more and more uh, problems for people. And, and I, and I, and it's, a, it's kind of a mindset thing as well. I, um, I'm always, I don't know if, ever, if any of you ever followed Maria, Marie Forleo, but she has this book called everything's figure outable. Um, <laughs> and 
And I love the book. It's a great book if you ever want to read it. And I do believe this is figure outable, but we have to have the conversation and we have to figure out what circumstances means what and how you as an individual, because it is a very individual thing. One is how, how does your personality deal with the lack of the human connection? And then all the way to do I have the right space and the right technology in order to work comfortably at home? And how do I stay connected with my other team members because, you know, and my boss and my stakeholders and all of that, you know, what is in it? And it's just, it needs to take some concentrated thought. And that, and that's where I, I'm fine. I think we're falling down is that decisions are being made that unilateral, as you said, without consideration of what circumstances it's good and your employees are living under. And then, and then I'm a layer on top of that is there's also some, you know, some process changing is perhaps, perhaps in your ways, because you being a designer in the way you do your, you know, you know, if you do sprints or however you do your design work is, you know, how is your voice heard? How, you know, what's the cadence for getting together? What are you doing to replace those hallway conversations and those coffee pot conversations? Because let's face it, a lot of work gets done there, you know, so there's, there's, you know, when you're relying on things like Teams or Slack or whatever it is, but after a while, it kind of like loses the personality and loses that connection. So there, it's, a, it's a really multi-pronged thing. And I, and I believe we have an opportunity over this next year to figure it out. We just have to start working on figuring it out. Yeah, definitely. What would you suggest for like an organization that hasn't really even begun to have these conversations. First step, it sounds like let's have some conversation, actually talk to your team about what they're dealing with so you can be present to, to what, what it is, the impacts of working from home indefinitely. But what would you suggest to a organization that doesn't even know where to begin? Like how do you even conduct these conversations or how, do, how would they start with this process? I really think, you know, to, to, to start, it's quite frankly, is a form of an engagement survey so you can get a really broad brush to see because from that you would be able to see. And you could have some very pointed, very um, calculated questions such as, you know, what is your family situation? Um, what is your living situation? You know, and, and, and how prepared are you to, if this was, you know, just theoretically, if this was going to be permanent, what would your readiness be when it forms all, you know, these, these things. And I, and I think based on that, then you could kind of see that um, kind of like, you know, what, what your landscape looks like. Um, but most importantly, I'd pull together focus groups. I would pull together representation mm -hmm. from groups and filter it up to, to, to see how well the, the teams are going. Lot, a lot more emphasis on, on helping the team leaders, the managers really start, I would start with the managers of helping them understand on how to manage remote individuals differently. How much, how many, you know, because it could be, I, I, I know people who haven't talked to their, their supervisor, their manager in, in weeks, you know, and because it's, you know, they don't have that, they don't have the culture of having one-on-ones. They don't have the culture of, of team meetings except maybe once a quarter, you know, depending on how, how large the company is. So, and it, it's, you know, it just isn't acceptable to go any length of time. There should, you know, now uh, one company I'm working with, you know, the, the manager, uh, which is actually a director and she has managers working for her, you know, will have a daily standup, you know, 
is a 15 minute check-in. One is everybody well, secondly, what's going on? What do we need? What do you need from me? You know, and that was what, what this is everybody well, you know, how's everyone doing? What do you need from me? You know, and she does this every single day come, you know, as long as she's not on vacation. Um, and I commend her for that to be continuing to do this all this time, but there needs to be more of that human touch. Um, so it's one is what's the landscape look like? What is the cadence? You know, are people prepared? Let's fake his face it. And maybe Donovan, you'll recognize this. Most of IT professionals are in the I range of Myers-Briggs. You know, they're introverts. You know, they're fine not to have to talk to somebody. My, my stepson works for a large power company here in Phoenix Valley. He's working from home and he would be okay if the rest of his life he works at home as long as he doesn't have to talk to people. He is a major introvert. He is a hermit introvert. He's an exception. Um, but there's a whole lot of leaders. The predominance is ISTJs, which is, you know, one of the most removed personality types. Are, are a whole lot of those IT leaders are, are IST, ISs of some sort. Um, a lot of J's in there, you know. And so you start, start thinking about the personality type of your leaders and how comfortable are they mm. of extending themselves to people. Yeah. And, and all you have to do is to, you know, one is require it in a way, it require it in a way that isn't intrusive to anyone, as well as helping them understand the value proposition of extending themselves to the people. Um, and then processes have to be adjusted as well, because maybe the way you approve something before, maybe the way you, that you actually um, design something, you know, it, you know, you have to take into consideration process as well. I don't want to leave that out. So it's, it's, it wouldn't be hard. In fact, it's an opportunity that I, I haven't thought about before of trying to, you know, it hasn't really come up to me to, to try to directly help organizations with it, but it's something that uh, I'm going to have to think about with some of my current, you know, clients is, you know, what can I do to help them deal with this? And, you know, and, and I have, I have been having conversations pointing them out. What I'm, oh, I'm seeing this. I think we, we've got to pay attention. Mm -hmm. Interesting question. Thank you. Yes. Just as you were talking about that, I was kind of thinking about some of my different experiences and some of the stuff I've run into. And I definitely think in the uh, tech heavy side of things, there are definitely some more opportunities for leaders to try to connect, especially in this circumstance. Like I feel like when, when the offices were open, um, there was enough interaction happening, but I've, I've noticed for some of the people I know and for some of the teams, kind of like you were saying, there are people who are not getting any real feedback or connection with their manager or, or high level up because neither side, even, you know, both, both individuals are so on the introverted side that both would prefer not to have these conversations. Uh, and, and I do think there's a definitely like a place for some nudging there that would be especially useful during these times. Yeah. Yeah. And when you think about a company as tech heavy as yours, you know, or the ones you work with, yeah, I can, I would love to see the, you know, the, the profile of that organization as a whole or any large technology organization. Um, I'm working with a much smaller scale technology organization on a, on a coaching and advisory role right now. And, um, you know, yes, I, I see the problem on a micro scale. Yes. Well, Mary, we really appreciate you joining us today. It's been a pleasure. 
Uh, would, is there anything you would like to plug before we wrap up today? No, um, I, it's nothing I want to plug as much as I want to thank you for bringing the conversation to the table. Um, it, everything, you know, all it takes, it takes courage to open up concerns, but it also, it also is uh, the only way things get any kind of attention or any kind of change happen. We, we, you know, with, without the courage of having the conversation, it just sort of pretend it doesn't exist. So thank you. Yeah, no, it's, it's such a critical conversation. And it's like, yeah, you can avoid it and ignore it, but that doesn't make the problem go away. And then your heart, like your employees could be building up resentment and uh, upset because you wouldn't address it. So it's, it's definitely a critical conversation to have. It's not necessarily an easy one, but it's necessary mm -hmm. for the well-being of the company is the well-being of the team members. Absolutely. So, Alice, yeah. I'd also like you to go back to your peers in, in your industry and, um, and talk, talk to them about what potential one impacts could do and what, what maybe could be done from a healthcare, you know, a natural healthcare perspective. Yeah. Um, I would love to collaborate with you, you know, and using, using Donovan's experience as kind of a testing ground. Well, you know, what? What is it that the industry, you know, that the coaching industry, that the healthcare industry can do to help the solution um, or can, can bring forth a solution that is workable? And that's a, that's a really big challenge, but it's, uh, it's something that, is, that really popped into my mind as, as uh, we were wrapping up our conversation here. Yeah, well, just to kind of like briefly touch on what I have been doing so far to help organizations, because it's like, I'm... A stress doctor. I address stress. It's like things. So when COVID happened, actually business actually increased for me because stress is a common issue that people are dealing with. So I ended up doing a bunch of virtual stress reduction workshops for various companies and organizations. And some of them actually, one of them, you know, was, it was for, I won't say what city, but it was for the city that was kind of their employees were dealing with like a lot of the COVID response and all these like angry upset people of how the city's responding to it. And so, you know, and they were just getting burnt out, you know, maybe a couple months of that, it's fine, but it's just like an ongoing thing that just never ends. It's really gonna pay a toll on their health and well-being. And so what, what that company or organization did was just like, you know, here are some group workshops. Attendance is optional, it's there for your support. And if you want, we'll sponsor, if you want to do, because obviously one, one hour stress reduction workshop is not going to cut it for this level of stress. It's going to be a great intro, but if they really want to get some work done, it's going to require more individual attention and really hone mm -hmm. in on like giving them this time and space to actually take care of themselves. I think that's what's missing for a lot of people is like they don't give themselves the space to actually do that self-care piece but it's absolutely critical especially in prolonged periods of stress because otherwise you know you're just this burnt out person and then you can't really contribute to anyone when you're just like this burnt out stressed overwhelmed um person you don't really have a lot to to give anymore so yeah. I like that the organization had taken on um, sponsoring like one-on-one -on -one consults with me for their, not everyone in the group like took that on, but you know, the people that were feeling like they needed extra support and maybe they didn't have the financial means to afford it. You know, in fact, the company sponsored it was a really great approach, I thought. Yeah, it really is because it's one of the things that has been lost in this mess. And I, I, I bet both of you experience as well, there are no boundaries anymore. 
Yeah. No. I, I had a call at nine o'clock on Sunday night from an East Coast client asking me about, he's not even a client, he's a former client asking me about something I could help him with it. And the phone rings at nine o'clock, East Coast number, I'm like, what the heck? You know, <laughs> you realize what time it is your time? <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. And that would never have happened in the past, ever. No, it's a weird world we live in now. So. There's just boundaries. And I love the, the I love what your client um had you, you know, I'm I love the fact that someone had the fourth the 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 forward yeah. thinking to, to include that. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for being a guest on our show and just really, you know, sharing your expertise and just really helping companies understand the importance of like the in addressing the impacts of working from home indefinitely mm -hmm. or permanently. So thank you, Mary. You're welcome. And, and again, thanks again for the bringing the, the conversation forth. So, yes. And it's great to meet you, Donovan. Likewise. Yes. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Happy Talks with Dr. Allison Donovan. We hope you got something of value to help bring a little more happiness into your life. What lesson or takeaway did you get from today's episode? For more tips and tools, be sure to check out my website at dralicefong.com and you can find me on my social media handles at dralicefong. You can find me at howtohappy.com and follow me on my social media handles at howtohappy. Catch, Catch you next time. time.